All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. Tonight we have um we we have a, a a heck of a show in store for you tonight. We have Miss Ida Joyce. She's going to be coming on, and we're going to be talking about surviving the unthinkable. So, without further ado, let me go ahead and bring Ida up. Ida, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm honored to have you on. Uh, this is not this is not like many other shows I've done where yes, this is going to be a difficult conversation, but it's going to be difficult for uh, for many different reasons than uh, than a lot of the other shows that I do. In that we're going to be talking about surviving the unthinkable as a parent. So, Ida, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, and what brings you here tonight. Um, my name is Ida Joyce, of course, as you just heard. I am a mother of four. Um, I have three older children besides uh, Nicholas, my son that I lost um, almost four years ago. It'll be four years in May. Yes, four years in May this year. Um, it will be, we lost him when he was 16 years old, um, along with some other friends in a, a tragic car accident. And I am a wife for, oh God, <laughs> I think 28 <laughs> years. I think it's 28 years. <laughs> so my married to a wonderful man. Married to a wonderful yes, man. I'm going to say it if you're not going to. His name is Richard Joyce. Great guy. Yes. So on that note, so you you talked about the tragic the tragedy of the incident. Um, I remember it well. I'll I'll tell a little bit about how um, I I learned about this was at the time I was a Stoughton police officer, which is the uh, where neighbors essentially it's the town town that you that we both live in. Yeah. And I was the school resource officer for a little while, while Nick was in high school. Okay. And and as well as you know Eric, David, and Chris. Okay. So I, I knew all of them well. Um, I remember I used okay. to see them at the grocery store. I obviously they play sports, and I you know I'm a lifetime jock. So there was an instant attraction yeah. uh, to to me and 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 a few of those guys. So I can tell you that this, in my opinion, was probably one of the most tragic, if not the most tragic, thing that I can remember in my 45 years. So okay. that's how um that's how I came to learn of this. And I wanted you to just kind of walk me through your, your journey, walk me through how you found out and, and where we where we go from there. Um, it's funny, the, the day that the incident happened, I actually was at work and I don't normally work on Saturdays. We had a, um, my coworker, I am a um, cake decorator by trade and my coworker went on vacation and they needed me to come in on that Saturday. And I was kind of upset because, you know, I didn't want to go in. I was Saturday was my family day and I ended up going in and in the process on my ride home, I remember I got next to the movie theater um, in Randolph across from where Popeye's is now. And I got this, um, I don't even know how to explain it like overwhelming sense of Nicholas. Like it was just really weird. And I remember turning and looking at the movie theater and thinking, hmm, we were supposed to go see um, Avengers at that time. Um, I think it was Endgame that was out. And he was he had been asking me to take him to go see it. 
And I looked over and I said, hmm, maybe, maybe that's a sign telling me I need to, you know, get him to the movies so he could see the movie. Time, you know, let's speed up. I get home, take a shower. Everybody's here. The Celtics game is about to come on. We're all sitting in, in our theater room, getting ready to watch the game. And I recall saying to, thinking to myself, Nicholas is not here yet. And it was starting to get dark. Um, and, you know, he usually needs to be home by that time. So I said to myself, I said, I need to go ask my husband what time he told him to come home. Got caught up in conversation with my boys and somehow and then ended up not going to ask him. In the process, we get a knock on the door. My son Chris opens the door. And when he opens the door, it's the police. I couldn't tell you. I, I don't recall names of police officers. I couldn't. If you put them in a lineup right now, that day was such a blur. I couldn't even tell you who they were. Sure. Unless they came to me and said, I was the person who came and told you. I, I wouldn't know who they were. So they come in. Um, it still still doesn't click, you know. And this is this is how it works when, when um, with believing that something terrible has happened to your child. It still didn't click to me. Number one, that they were at the door. They were asking if we were the parents of Nick, and they asked if they could come in. It's like okay, yeah, sure, of course. So my thought when they asked if they could come in was. Oh my God, they got him locked up. He did something wrong. Never in my wildest imagination was I expecting him to tell me that he was gone. So they come in, he says, can you, you know, sit down? It still never dawned on me. Um, and I can't recall, but I think when he said to me, Nicholas and them were gone, it still didn't click. Like I, I was just standing there like, no, 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 no. And I can tell you what everyone else around me was doing, but it was like I was in another world. I mean, I, I can't explain it. So that was how we initially found out they came to the house. And I just remember picking up the phone and starting to call family members and, you know, telling them what was going on. And I think the hardest thing for me through that whole process was watching my family go through what they were going through because my husband was just, he he just was saying to the police officers, you know, I need you guys to take me to where he is. I need you to take me to where he is. And, you know, the, you got one kid over here on the floor crying. You got another two upstairs. It's just, it was an insane scene here. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, uh, it was altering. It was a day that has altered all of our lives. So that was how we initially found out. Um, and that, that had happened at like maybe three or four in the afternoon. Other parents already knew. Um, and I think the hardest part for me was that because the kids were, the accident was so bad and there was so much damage to their bodies. I don't think we got to see Nick until probably almost two weeks later. As a matter of fact, we saw Nick the day before the funeral because they were trying to, you know, repair things and to, to make him look, to make him look presentable. And that was part of the reason why we had ended up having a closed casket. So I, I can't stress how, um, how sorry I am to even have this conversation, but I, I yeah. so, so you, so you, you find out 
what are those weeks like leading up to the the services? Um, family coming in, you know, just trying to get your mind together because not only were we preparing for our son's funeral, we were preparing preparing for his friends' funerals. Um, David got buried first. So we went through the process of, mm-hmm. you know, being at that funeral and stuff. And once David got buried and we, and we buried Nicholas, I couldn't do another one. Like I could, I didn't, I, I want to say my husband went to the other two. I couldn't go. I just, it was, I was just emotionally and mentally tired. I couldn't do anymore. Um, the weeks leading up to that were just, Kind of like going through the motions you had to go through the motions you had to keep pushing you had to keep going i'll tell you one thing that i um that really really meant the world to me and i said i wasn't going to tell you this until i got on here <laughs> and i'm going to do my best to tell it without crying um i don't even know if you remember this as we were coming into the um the cemetery. The limo got to the cemetery and I think they stopped us for a minute or whatever. And there were several other police officers there. Um, but you were there in the entrance when we were getting ready to come in. And as we got ready to come in, I remember And I don't think I'll ever forget. You stood at attention and you saluted. And for me, that meant the world because like um, like it was said, they call those kids kings, they're four kings. And that just showed me the honor um, and the love from this from this town, you know. I told my brothers and my sisters, I said, you know, God knew what he was doing when he put us in Stoughton. You know, we, we you know, he, he knew that this day would come and being here, um, the support system that we have had from the people in Stoughton and from my family has just been amazing. Um, so, but I, I just want to say thank you for that because it, it, it meant the world to me. Um, I'm going to talk or else I'm going to cry. Um, and I really don't want to, but, um, I told you, we talked backstage, how much those kids meant to me, Uh how much I enjoyed seeing them around town. Yeah. I remember one time I pulled a car over, I had a car on the side of the road and, and I hear Jenkins, it's David Bell (laughs) (laughs) driving by. And that's what he used to call me, no matter um, no matter what, no matter if it was appropriate to call me that yeah. or inappropriate, like when I'm in the middle of a car stop. <laughs> but that's the kind of relationship um, we had, and um, yeah. I made sure that my uh, that I introduced my son to them when I saw them. Okay. Uh, when I would see when I would see your son your son at his job, yeah, with Eric, and. Um, and I, uh, I, I just had you told me at the time that I wasn't going to have 
and again, this is just me being selfish. I wasn't going to have the time where I could um, see them when they turned 21. Yeah. And I could ask them about some of the advice that I had given them when they were younger. Yeah. Um, it just, uh, just unthinkable, but, but, yeah. but so let's go back, let's get back to it. So let's, tell, so let's talk about Nick a little bit. Tell us about Nick. Oh, um, Nick, 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 Nick. Break it down Nick for Nick was a, um, kid that, um, just loved life. Um, Anytime he could get to dance with his friends. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos. Um, you probably haven't because a lot of them I had put on Life After Death. And I'm going to stop sharing those again. But many videos um, of him and David, um, they love to dance together. That was their favorite thing. I remember there's one that I have um, of them when him and Talia and all of them were at Wendy's. They were in the drive-thru. <laughs> going to get Wendy's and Talia, I don't know who the other girl was, Talia, Nick, and the other girl got out and they were in the, in the drive through dancing. And I don't know who was videotaping it. And David's in the car in the, in the, in the passenger seat cracking up. Um, and whenever I play that video, people are always like, you know, we love seeing this video. This is one of our favorite videos. So that was the kind of atmosphere. They love to have fun together. Nick was a um, kid who was resilient. He, he went out and he tried for the basketball team. He wasn't the greatest at, at basketball, um, but he wanted to be on that basketball team. And when he found out that he um, didn't get on the team, he came home and I remember I went into the room and he was curled up in the bed. He was His heart was just so broken. But what he did after that, showed me who he was. He got up, he went back to school and he decided, okay, I can't play basketball. So I'm going to really put myself into track. And he had found his niche. Track was his mm -hmm. world. There are videos of Nicholas, uh, Mike LaFleur shared a video with me one day. And in that video, I have videos that I've taken, but this video was taken in that video, Nick's feet appeared as if they weren't even touching the floor. As a matter of fact, Mike said, um, when I saw the video, he said, I thought that someone had, you know, sped the video up because Nick was just, <laughs> he was moving so fast. It was like, it was almost like if you see the video, the other kids were kind of like coming along and Nick's feet, it was like he, his feet weren't touching the ground. He literally had begun to really put himself in to um, track. And when I say that, I mean, he began to change his eating habits. Um, I couldn't believe how he was, you know, we went out to a restaurant one night. He's ordering salads and vegetables and stuff that he used to never want to eat. Carrying around gallons of water, drinking water. Like he mm -hmm. just he was really ready. He wanted to go to um, he wanted to go to college in Oregon. He wanted to go to Oregon Dixie um, and, and do track and stuff, you know. And all of that stuff was just snatched away. But he had, I think he had a great career ahead of him. And he there was records he wanted to break. Talk about the record. Your, your yes. daughter Brittany mentioned the yes, record I was say, I earlier. There was a there was a there's a record at the high school um for the fastest, the top five fastest. And I yep. think if I'm not mistaken, he was either number two or number three. 
but the numbers didn't come out until after he, he was number two. The numbers didn't come out until after he had passed away. So he had reached that goal. He had reached that goal. So, you know, that was just, um, that was who he was. And he was a person who loved to, uh, in my, in my office here, I have statements on my wall to keep me, um, keep me lifted up. I consider them like uplifting statements or statements to encourage yourself. He would say stuff like, I, I just want to be remembered. Um, starve your distractions. Um, feed your, uh, what we say, we'd say feed your focus, starve your distractions. And on his uh, cliques, his running cliques, it had the word grandiza. Now, grandiza is a Spanish word that means greatness. And that was, those were the things that he was beginning to see in itself. You know, those were the things that we instilled, that we, we instilled in our kids, you know, um, the greatness of who they are. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm ticked off that I didn't get to see, see him go further. Well, with that, that note, Ida, as we all are, um, somebody that you're very familiar with has a little help, wants to help you through this a little bit. So Brittany says, seems to say that he was just like his big sister. <laughs> yes, so, she, ran, she ran when she was there, too, and she, she did a good job, too. All right. So, they, all right. They, they, all right. Brit Brittany, we see you too. All right. They, they, uh, she, um, their dad ran too. He was a great runner too. That's yeah. I, I, I've seen him run. I've seen him run at the ages now. He still can fly. Yeah. So his, from um, there, she, I, do you know his, do you know what his nickname is? What's that? It's Speedy. Is it? That's what they call him. Yeah. Well, that's appropriate because I've seen the man run yep. in, in the flag football tournament. So Brittany corrected us and says that it's actually the Oregon Ducks oh, okay. where he wanted to go. And that's the University okay. of Oregon. Uh, the significance is that that is that's one of the great track programs in the country. Okay. Um, so that 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 makes sense. And and they have very heavy, uh, heavy Nike ties there. Um, yeah. So I'm going to hit the chat a little bit, Ida, because people want to say hello. So Frida Warka says that's awesome. We have Mike. Mike says, thank you for sharing your stories. So another Mike, the Mike he referred to earlier, has a comment. He wants to say, he wants to know how much did the love and support from your family, friends, and community in the early days help in the grieving process? Um, Hashtag for the boys. Yes, that was a tremendous, tremendous support. And it still is. I mean, right now, because COVID is going on, like the kids haven't been able to come around and stuff like we haven't been around each other as much, but they were here constantly all the time, you know, coming by to visit, see me, you know, um, I can't wait till things get better and, you know, we can, we can start being around each other more. Um, their support was part of our survival. Um, that's, that's what kept us going. Of course, first God, God, it was our, my faith is, is my greatest strength. Um, leaning on God, trusting in God, allowing him to bring us through and the support of the friends that surrounded us, the people, the parents and stuff that were here and um, how they took care of us, how they, they're still taking care of us. I know sometime in the spring, Felicia and um, Brandon and them, they're having, they're having benches installed soon um, in memory of all the boys. So the community did an awesome job in supporting us. We have a bow that the um mothers come around and they change like when the, it's, a, it's a black and orange bow that they put on a pole outside in front of the house and whenever that bow starts to get dingy and dirty looking they come by and they change it so you know that's the great support that we had from the town and my amazing siblings my of course my, my immediate family my husband and my children as well but my siblings have been amazing i have this there's, there's six of us 
So I have five siblings and they are all um, Christians as well. And, you know, they prayed me through some dark days, some dark nights, and I, I wouldn't, I, I just couldn't survive without my family. My mother-in-law, she was here constantly making sure that we were okay. You know, uh, my, my biological mom is, has passed away and my foster mother, um, you know, she can't get back and forth as easy. She lives in Boston, but you know, they've all been a tremendous, tremendous support and the anchor that we've stood upon that has helped us to survive. Um, and I'm so grateful for all of them. And, and that, and that's amazing. Uh, I, I mean, to Mike's point, the way the town came together, yes. um, it was something that was unbelievable. And people talk about how polarized society is and people yeah. that, let me tell you something. I was at all those services and I can tell you there was black, there was white, yeah. there was Spanish, there was Asian, and everybody was crying the same tears, yeah. hugging each other. And um, one woman was so moved by it that she said that she you know, kind of, you know, she was looking to move out of Stoughton because she had made assumptions about what the town was like and that she didn't feel that it was supportive towards minorities. And then she saw that and she wow. said, you know what? I'm staying. Yeah. I ran yes. into her. I ran into her before I left, before I left the PD um, about a year ago. Okay. She had just bought a house. She says, I'm, wow. she says, she says, officer Jenkins, I'm built, I'm building roots in this town. Yeah. And it all started because of, what was what was um what, what was brought together? Yep. It's so true, um, it's so true. I mean, they were sending us food, bringing us food. I mean, making sure they just made sure that we were so well taken care of, so well taken care of. And even now, they still, you know, they they brought us Christmas ornaments, you know, with the night signs on it. And they've always, you know, it's it's always been um, very supportive. You know, I still have parents that I stay in contact with. So, um, yes, I was amazed. I mean, and, you know, just the fact of, um, I think at Nick's funeral, there was like 15,000 people and then like a thousand people watched online. So, you know, the, the busloads of children who came to that funeral, you know, and I know every kid that came, well, you know, they weren't Nicholas's best friend, you know. Kids so, from other towns too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even the kids from, um, I remember the kids from Canton. Um, yep, the Canton, the Canton football team came. Yeah, they sent us stuff. I mean, just from all over the place. The elementary schools were doing stuff. Just everybody. So. So well, from there, I did. So we so we talked about that. How did you get from that place, um, living through a parent's worst nightmare, to where you are now? You're doing some great things. I think the great, uh, the the first thing, like I said, is is my faith and my anchor in God. Um, you know, prayer. Um, you know, I did ther I did a lot of therapy. I'm still doing therapy now. Um, I tell people, you know, don't be afraid to do therapy. And if you do do therapy, um, if you lose a child in such a traumatic way, I did. I have a trauma therapist. You want to get with someone because they have they have um, there's techniques and tools that they take you through that a, a normal therapist may not know. Um, so those that was some of the things and the greatest thing i think for me was writing um i encourage people to write write what's going on in you journal write to your 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 lost child your lost loved one 
Um, if you need to write a letter, take it up to the to the cemetery, leave it there, bury it there, whatever you have to do, just get your emotions out. Um, don't stay alone. Get us a, a great support system surrounded around you because you're going to need it. Um, not just in the beginning, you're going to always need it. I know that I can call on any one of my brothers and my sisters. Um, and I also have friends that I can that I can call on at any time um, that will support me. You want to surround yourself. I surrounded myself with people who supported me. I, 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 I filtered out. I, I learned who had my back. I learned who was going to allow me to grieve the way that I needed to grieve and not try to get me to grieve their way. Um, you know, because people, you, you'd be amazed at some of the things that people will tell you. They'll tell you, get over it. They'll tell you, it's been this many years. You're, you're still, you know, dealing with that, you know. and everybody, Are you kidding me? People told yeah. you to get over it? That no one has ever said to me directly to get over. I was going to say you might need to give me an address. Not me, but I've had friends. I have a friend recently who um, lost her daughter, lost her son, and you know, people was telling someone said to her, you know, she was watching some videos or something. Someone mm -hmm. said to her, um, "Why are you watching those videos? You know, he that's not what he would want you to do." And they were videos of him. You know, it's like, how do you know what he would want her to do? First of all. Second of all, let her grieve her way. You know, you can't tell people how to grieve. You can't tell people what to do. You got to let them grieve in their own way and in their own time. Um, I don't expect everybody to respond the way that I responded. God, I don't know, me having the anchor of God just gave me strength. And if I can back up a little bit, back around 1990. Eight, I went through a severe, severe depression, so bad. Um, I was having anxieties, anxiety attacks, so bad at that time that I literally thought I was having a stroke um, because one side of my body just, my body was just going through so much at that time. Tremendous fear, and I was never a person who dealt with fear. Just all kinds of stuff going on. And the church that I was at at that time, um, which was actually. Um, New Covenant, which is Jubilee now. Um, I'm at Grace now, but at the time when I was there, um, the pastor, Bishop Thompson there, he set a foundation within those who were new in the church um, and taught us things of how to get into the Bible and how to do this and you know how to you know encourage yourself and get yourself going, not realizing that those tools would be tools that I would take that would help me to survive this. So me using those tools, um, you know, he would constantly tell us to, to read your Bible, stay in prayer. Don't listen to just don't don't listen to what someone just tells you. Read it for yourself, you know, because you have people who will tell people stuff that's not, um, you know, Bible based. So he would constantly tell us you need to do the research yourself, which was a great tool. You know, people do need to look for themselves. Um, how many people do you know that get caught up in cults and different types of things? And, you know, you think about Jim Jones and they end up dead because they're following people who, you know, but anyways, um, yeah, so that's basically where, uh, where, where, where I started. I just basically thought, you know, founded myself in, um, my religion and that, so, that's what got me through. Now, Ida, like I promised you. We're down to about two minutes and 10 seconds. It okay. went by that fast. Okay. 
tell us about defeating the Giants. Can you okay. can you sum that up in about 90 seconds or so? Okay. Defeating the Giants is a page um, that I created based on the story of David and Goliath. And the same way that David defeated the giant, Goliath is what I teach people um, to realize that they can overcome the greatest obstacles before them. With God by their side, they can overcome anything and work through and you know build their dreams, build their goals, um, the visions that are within them. And basically, um that's what my page is about my page is about inspiring people so is it like a support group can people come there for support as well absolutely and how um, can people yeah. and how can people find you where where, where is go, that if they go onto facebook or instagram and you put an at defeating the giants the at letter um it'll it'll bring it up so if you go to at defeating the giants on instagram or facebook you will find my page so um Ida, you, you, I mean, clearly you can see the chat. You have made a tremendous impact on so many people before the show. And now, look, you have all these strangers, some of these people you know, some you don't. Um, yeah, I'm not crying. You're crying. And Jim, I, I was it. on the edge. I was on the edge, man. Like, I was close. I know. I, know. Um, I said I was like, I'm going to try not to cry when I tell him the story. But I had to share that because it was, um, it meant the world to me. And 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 I thank you so much. I mean, we're up against time here, but Ida, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with everybody, sharing it with all of everybody in town, and sharing it now nationally um, here with everybody. It, you know, everybody needs to hear your story, and everybody yes. needs to see the grace at which you 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 conduct yourself with, and the courage that you had to to move on, reinvent yourself, and help so many other people. So. Um, my, my hat goes off to you. Thank you so much. Ida. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You honor me with your presence. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So well, folks, that's going to do it. Um, as promised, this was another, another difficult episode of, of, of difficult conversations. If you like this episode, please like it, please share it, please watch this with your teenagers so they can, you know, they can hear a little bit about how one decision can, um, can, can, can yeah. change lives forever. Uh, and like I said, this is something that everybody needs to see. So we'll be back again next week. Same time, same place. And as always, hashtag supply the why. Take care, everybody.